Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is Off Track with Hinch and Rossi. So, can I talk about how James had this adamant refusal to accept 6, 6.30 as a time? Tim suggested 6.15. I was on here at 6.12. And James is on here at 6.20, which is, I think, the epitome of 6, 6.30. Not 6.15, 6.20. I was sitting he, at my desk, turning on my computer. Well, okay, here's the deal. My computer is normally on, set up, and just ready to go. I only use my computer. There's only two programs on my computer that I use, and it's Skype so I can see you guys and hear you guys, and then GarageBand so I can record. It's the only two things I do, and I guess it – I don't know if we had a power outage. We got some work happening at the house, or I don't know if there was like a like a, like a software thing. But when I sat down, I'm like, I got two minutes to spare. I'll just hit log on, and I'll be fine and my computer was off, and then it was the big slow restart and all this stuff. So, yes, once again, I'm a few minutes late. But in my defense, you gave me like 17 different times for today. So I'm still saying that I'm not late. Nope. No. Nope. One yep. time we gave you six, Sounds like he was late. We landed on six. Hold on. Let me, for the group, I'm going to read through our group chat real quick. So that <laughs> way you know how frustrating it is dealing with these people. Okay, so yesterday... Yesterday, it was, could also do tomorrow evening, 6 slash 6.30, question mark. And that was from Tim. And so Alex said, fine with me. I said, same. Then there was some other stuff unrelated. And then this morning, I said, hey, just checking, we're doing 6 tonight. And then Alex goes, 6 to 6.30 to be exact. To which I said, <laughs> that's not very exact. It's exactly inexact. So can we do six? And he said, yes, six to six thirty is fine. (laughs) (laughs) To which I replied with the gif of Steve Carell going, no, no. (laughs) And then, and then Tim said, let's say exactly six colon mark, question mark, question mark, as in not saying the minutes or six at symbol ampersand to be safe. To which Alex said, six plus sign minus sign. <laughs> and then I just said I was out. I was just leaving. And then, <laughs> and then Tim said, how about six Belevimteen work? <laughs> and then Alex said my favorite, which was, I'll see you both at half dozen o'clock. <laughs> which is what I was asking for all along. And then like five hours later, oh, how about 615? I hate you guys so much. <laughs> you're you're Which, the reason I yeah. drink. You too. I swear to God. I'm gonna be honest here. I actually I had nothing. I just arbitrarily wanted to move it just to see if, just to cause chaos. Well, it worked. It worked. <laughs> Although the six fifteen ended up being helpful because I had to run over to a friend's house to let their dog out, and I would have been late for six o'clock. Who let the dogs out? I 
hate you who? so much. No, but who? 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 <laughs> <laughs> oh, <clears throat> all right, guys, in all seriousness. <laughs> Welcome to the last episode of Off Track with Hitch and in all, in all seriousness, it's, it's, been a, it's been a week. And, um, Wait, did something I'm just, happen? I'm just curious. Is there currently a president? <laughs> yeah, I think Did I think regardless regardless of anything that happened this week, he was always going to be president until at least January 20th or whatever. So yeah, the 21st January, and I'm 11:59 a.m. January 20th. So okay. I didn't know that. I thought it was the 21st. So I'm aware of that. I just find it humorous that you know, can Vegas if you bet on this, can Vegas pay out yet? That's a, like a fair question, right? It's a fair question, actually. Tim, this is probably something you could answer. I mean, legally speaking, nobody no. has won the election, right? So- yeah, it's not, it's not certified yet. But like this whole idea that, that it, we have to wait till then, we've never waited until then. It's always been projected. Well, I don't, I don't think the projected winner is waiting either. I feel like he's going ahead yeah. with his, his program, which is fine. I just find it hilarious that, that we don't know for that sure. We are the leading democracy in the country, allegedly. Country? And no, we have a democracy, James. Mm, no, you said we're, we're the leading we're democracy in the country. Oh yeah, you did. Well, and yeah, and technically the states is a republic. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, you know what? That was my <laughs> pipe was... down, Canada. The queen's still <laughs> on your money. <laughs> yeah, she is. I and just, as I've I said. Just, Find it hilarious that this is where we're at. But anyways, neither here nor there. Um, how was your do you week, know guys? What I, well, do you want to know what I find hilarious? What? And this will be the last thing we can, we can say on it. But So I, I learned a lot about U.S. elections uh, this last week and how they work and all the rest of it, as I think many people did. Did we um, learn or are we just more confused? Well, yeah, same, same, same. Okay. Different but still same. Um, and so like, you know, you, you, you get voted, you win the popular vote of the state, right. And then the state has a correlating number of electoral votes, whatever. And then they just choose that number of people to Tim, help me out December something when they have the official. So, so I don't know when the electoral, uh, college actually it's, votes, but I know that the states have to certify everything before the inauguration. Okay. All right. I know the states have to certify by December fourteenth, so they right. have it's that's when they have to designate their electors. Right. And so you designate the electors, but there's actually no law that says the electors have to vote for the person who won the that's popular vote. Not in some necessarily states. true. Yeah. Some states, I think you might be able to. In some states, I know, like Pennsylvania, for example, there is a law that the electors have to vote for. The person who won the popular the vote, popular vote. and right. I know in the last time the popular vote of that state, I think it was in sixteen. There were some they call them faithless electors. It's when yes. an elector doesn't vote for their the, right. the winner of their state. Right. I right. think there were two of them, and they were sued, and it turned out that they were not allowed to do that. But uh, it didn't matter. But I don't know. Watching something at some point, I think it's it has been done legally before. Because certain states don't have that law, and I just find that I find that funny. <laughs> yeah, you go through all mess. this, and the guy can just be like, "Jokes, you you selected me with this very important responsibility, and I'm just going to vote for the other guy." So yeah, there, it's... and there's nothing you can do about it. And they could, in theory, actually change the result of the election, 
which is very funny to me. I feel well, like this it's, system. It's kind of like Kanye Stolen with a shot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's there. There are a lot of those weird, like arbitrary things. There's there, my favorite is in in England actually when the king or queen when the monarch addresses parliament parliament has to send over a member to the castle to be jailed and it's it's like their method of ensuring that parliament isn't going to try anything with the king it's like yeah well if you do anything while i'm here we're gonna kill your guy like it's it's a it's a hostage which i feel like a pawn for a king is not a particularly good trait yeah it's like a designated survivor but the other way around yeah yeah exactly it is a terrible uh, show that was (laughs) it was just 24 but jack bauer was the president so how could he help the president when it's himself it was very it was very complicated it was it was it was confusing but anyways all right so we've we've touched on current events which is great um we can spend the next 40 minutes talking about the electoral college because i have thoughts i'm i'm good (laughs) no, no thank you um, what have you been doing, James? What's going on? What's up? Uh, well, uh, remember when this podcast I, used to have structure? I texted you guys. We used to have outlines. We used to. Have, I texted like, you used to have guests for today, dude. We used to have live Google Docs that we would be like, "Okay, you talk next." Well, that was only when we had guests, which yeah, we also don't have anymore. Guests. Yeah. Well, um, that is your job. So too. we're gonna go back to that one day occasionally not like regularly don't get excited uh it's, it's hard so, enough to get you guys to use skype i don't want to have like a i don't want to have to train somebody every week in his defense alex that's that's a fair point in um, his defense it's really easy and i think you're the only one that struggles with it no it, <laughs> in his defense yes i am terrible to work with in this capacity i know <laughs> Uh, so in answer to your question, I went back, uh, to Canada with my wife, Becky over the weekend to have a sort of joint birthday celebration. So my, my brother's birthday is November 3rd. My father's is November 5th. My sister's is the 21st and I'm December 5th. So basically within a month, all four of us have of a birthday. Your poor mother's. Yeah, right. And then, and that's like a month before Christmas. So it's it was the the fourth quarter, you know, every year was a, it was a heavy quarter in the Hinchcliffe household. Yeah. Um but so we decided to streamline just, you know, with with travel being difficult obviously and uh and all the rest of it, we sort of streamlined did a four in one birthday celebration this weekend. Just I say celebrate, it was just, you know, immediate family, just just us and Becky and um and it was great. It was great getting up there and getting to see everybody and uh, spend some time with my parents, spend some time with my siblings. Did you my get niece. anything cool? Did you get like a new remote control car or like a, well, no, like a so tractor? Like what I asked I asked for books. I wanted biographies. So, so I your brother asked, gave you one of his. Uh, he hasn't written his <laughs> biography yet. I, I've been asking him for his thesis for a long time. Uh, for those that don't know, my brother's got his PhD from Oxford. Snob. And, um, it's good to see I, one I'm, of you was successful. Well, yeah, no, seriously. Like <laughs> it's, it's like, I, you can't even, you can't even like knock that at all. No, dude, so amazing. It's le- legitimately makes me feel like the underaccomplished child in the family, which I say to people all the time because it's, it's true. It's a, it's a remarkable achievement. Um, and, and so I, I said, I was like, I, I want biographies of people that you think I would, either enjoy or like people you think I should know something about. And it was actually really fascinating because I got uh, Jim Carrey, 
who is like a, a hero of mine, like I think is just comedic genius. I think he's lost the plot a little bit these days, but um, uh, Matthew McConaughey, which is kind of an inside joke, uh, but still going to be an interesting read because, um, you know, that's just, uh, it's just things that Matthew McConaughey does that I, I really respect and I really enjoy how it goes about his craft and I can't wait to learn a little more about it. All right, all right, all right. Keep going. <laughs> well played, sir. I, and then we could uh, also and, we could also do forty minutes on the Maconnaissance if you guys want to. I, I'm down for that after I read the book. Um, <laughs> and then uh, Jerry Seinfeld, which I'm super excited about because uh, Jerry's you know another comedic legend who I have a lot of time for. Big car collection, big car guy. So yeah, I've got uh, I got a lot of reading coming up in my future, Alex. What, <clears throat> so he, uh, he didn't get you, you he didn't get you Will Powers biography. No, I do. I have that one already. Mm. Hmm. All right, I'm sending you a book. I'm sending you a, a biography on Cary Grant that was really interesting. I love it. I would love to read a biography of Cary Grant. I'm a big I'm a big bio guy. I like learning about people. People are interesting. Becky and I are both on this kick. She's been going through like uh, this 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 stretch of um, like Hollywood starlets from back in the day. So she read like Marilyn Monroe, like a book about Marilyn Monroe, a biography on um, Elizabeth Taylor, uh, Natalie, is it Natalie Woodward? Wood? Wood? Who's Natalie Wood? that died? Yeah. Is it just the Natalie Wood? died in the boat? Yeah. Yeah. She read that one. So she's, she's kind of on this kick of a very specific type of person. Uh, but yeah, that's, uh, that was my weekend. Do you, like, what? do you ever like check to make sure she's not reading a bunch of books about women that killed their husbands? <laughs> <laughs> she's not reading like Lorena Bobbitt's biography or yeah. something. Um, yeah, no, I do. I mean, we, we read in bed at night together, like every old married couple does. And I, I can see what she starts, she's reading. So we're good. She starts taking notes a little too well. Yeah, it's a bit, it's a bit nerve wracking. <laughs> What uh, what'd you get up to, Alex? Um, well, James, I went to my second wedding in two weeks. Um, and honestly, I think that's my quota for like the decade. <laughs> like I'm, <laughs> I'm, that was a lot of social interaction. Um, but yeah, I mean, one of my one of my very close friends, one of our mutual friends, actually, all three of our mutual friends, very good friend Bobby, got married, which was uh, wonderful. Um, then one of my uh, mechanics got married uh, this past weekend, which was great for him. Um, Who was it? Which mechanic? Grant. Grant. Grant and Lindsay oh. from Carlin yeah, yeah. got married. So that that was a, a long time coming. And uh, I was actually at dinner with Tony Kanon or at the table with, with Tony and spent the entire night trying to get him to do a shot of tequila, uh, to which I did not succeed. Yeah, um, it's a tough sell with TK. It's really tough. That is devastating. His, his, devastating his, wife, his wife was into it lauren was was getting after yeah. it which was great but she tony, knows what's up <laughs> tony i guess had to like wake up at 4 a.m and go on a 130 mile bike ride before he went to the gym on a sunday <laughs> so uh yeah so so that was that and then the weather has been so abnormally warm that i've actually gotten um a little bit of a green thumb no well because we could talk about that <laughs> First of all, James, you're not supposed to know about that. Second of all, <laughs> I was going to say I got on my roof, cleaned out my gutters, like painted a brick wall. And by nice. I painted a brick wall, 
I told Kelly to paint a brick wall and <laughs> monitored the progress while I drank my coffee. She did a great job. I had to do it. She's a- she's she's Canadian, so it's progress. Correct. Yeah. Um so yeah, I mean it was nice. It was it was kind of one of those like fall cleanup weekends in the middle of November or the beginning of November. So it worked out. And yes, James, today I trimmed my rose bushes. That sounds like a euphemism for something. Yes, Alex, you did. And I actually I almost got to witness this, Tim. I uh I was swinging by Alex's house to drop something off, and I called him to make sure he was home, and Kelly answered the phone. And she, I said, hey, is Alex there? And she said, yeah, he's just out in the backyard pruning the roses. And I just immediately had this image in my head that I wish you could all see. Uh, you know, it's, it's like Alex in like short salmon shorts, you know, with like an apron of some kind and a visor <laughs> and gloves That's- on his... You know, that's immediately where I went to, and then I then it switched to wearing one of the dresses Betty Draper wears in Mad Men, and that (laughs) that one works better for me with the apron. (laughs) Okay, first of all, first of all, it's very relaxing. Okay, (laughs) the dress or the uh, the pruning? I I mean, yes. Yep. (laughs) No, like here's the thing. I I am not a gardener. I have very little knowledge i I have zero knowledge when it comes to plants or keeping plants alive or plants in certain climates or anything of the sort but i do have this one kind of 40 foot 50 foot l section of rose bushes that when they were installed it was you know you're gonna have to deadhead them you know pretty frequently and i was like cool didn't know what that meant and just let them let them eat right just let them live well roses die pretty i mean they they last about you know six to ten days and then they die like that's just the way it goes well if you don't if you don't clip off the dead rose head then your rose bush will never get new new flowers like it's not like a like another type of flowering bush of sorts like mums for example that just keeps sprouting and sprouting and sprouting and sprouting kind of regardless roses you got to give it a new opportunity to like make new ones and so not only do you like stay on top of that and you get to see the results of your work pretty quickly but like you can also shape them and like you know make the edges something and like you you anticipate the length that a stem's going to grow out to pop a new head out and so that can be a corner or not i don't know it's kind of it's architectural and in nature and it's it's relaxing Soothing. Okay, so how many hours did you spend on Google last night looking up how to trim oh, and prune rose bushes? None, because I spent like four or five hours two months ago. Ah, <laughs> so I'm I'm I've been pruning, 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 pruning rose bushes for um, about eight weeks now. I consider myself a little bit of an expert. So if you have well, any uh, 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 you got bushes, a, got a rose bush and some meat you need smoked. Yeah, Alex, <laughs> I'm your guy. guy. And, or, your, or your pool chemicals are off. And now, <laughs> now because I'm learning to fly, like I'm adding that to my repertoire. So, wait, you're lear- I, for- I forgot about that. Yeah, you're learning, I was, I was, I was gonna that? literally segue to that next, but I do, I do want to reluctantly quickly ask Tim how his weekend was and what you've been up to. Yeah, you know, good story. Yeah, so that makes flying. sense. <laughs> yep. yep. When flying's did, neat. Okay. Got, yeah, so have we talked about this on the show yet? I don't know if we have. I'm going to no. be honest. I don't really listen when you guys talk. 
I'm gonna I, say no, but I'm not positive. I'm not, not positive, no. but yeah, okay. So so Alex has decided to take flying lessons to get his pilot's license. So question number one. What was the motivation? Is it you want to fly yourself places? You just like planes? It's something to do? Uh, option B and C. I like airplanes. It's something to do. It's a long off season. I mean, it's quite frankly, when I made the decision to do this, our off seasons were much longer than they are this year. But Right. It was but, a normal, yeah. But kind of... Um, the the whole goal was this year I was going to learn, I was going to get my pilot's license. My other goal is I want to play a musical instrument. I tried to, to watch some YouTube videos on that. And to be quite honest with you, flying a plane is much easier. <laughs> <laughs> Costs more money, but much easier. We were gonna do guitar lessons together, like when we were when we were working out James, together during the would, shutdown. We talked about this. I, I, I will I will still do that. Like I would like to do that, but it's very intimidating to me. And honestly, flying an airplane at 180 miles an hour, a thousand feet above the ground, is less scary. That's that's bizarre. So you know what? Here's the thing. I was the same way. So I I can sort of play. I used to kind of sort of play guitar. Because I always thought it was it was my favorite instrument. I always wanted to play it, but I'm like, it's got six strings and 20-something frets and all this. There's no way I could ever learn to play this. And then one day, my brother came home from university, you know, for Thanksgiving or something, and he had picked up a guitar, and he had learned a couple songs, and he sat there and played songs, and I could understand which songs he was trying to play. And I thought, well, hell, if he can do it, it can't be that hard. You know, just yeah, brotherly if the docs, competition. If the doctor yeah. from Oxford can do it. He w- he was an undergrad in philosophy at the time. Okay, let's not let's not get carried away. If he did it now, like I'm not going to say that. Sure. But he motivated me to just get a guitar and just sort of figure it out. And when I was an Indy Lights driver and had nothing but time on my hands, and all you did was go to the gym twice a day and race ten times a year, yeah, it was it was great. I played a lot of guitar. Now less so. Tim is a very accomplished guitarer, guitarer, guitar guitar guy. Guitar man. And actually, Tim, what is your favorite uh, song to play and sing along to? Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. <laughs> and is that uh, coincidental that today yeah, is the, the 45th, 45th anniversary? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, it, as far as um, songs about a bunch of people dying on a boat go, it's it's up there. It's I'd say top Well, five. yeah. I mean, Celine Dion's <laughs> My Heart Will Go On still is number one, but... Yeah, I said top five. I'm allowing for some other ones. All right. Name one other that would be in that top. <laughs> so a lot of people, a lot of people don't know this. Uh, YMCA. Is about uh, a boat okay, wreck. I'm gonna, I'm gonna super <laughs> squash that one. There was a camp song that was, oh, they built the ship Titanic to sail the ocean blue. That was a great song. Uh, okay, so Alex, how far along into your um, flying machine lessons are you? Um, flying machines. So they're called planes, James. Right. Sorry. Um, yes. Sorry. So I'm not buying it. I will be, Fake news. I think I'll be ready to solo here in the next week or two. I'd say I'll probably do my first solo flight right before Thanksgiving. Do you know what's funny to me is knowing you as well as I do, you are simultaneously, I think the best suited person I know to be a pilot and the worst person I know to be a pilot. I don't, and I, I'm very, very (laughs) curious as to which side of Alex Rossi (laughs) comes out while in control of an airplane. 
<laughs> Wait, but why? Because Alex, ha- Alex has this, as we know from his thorough research on literally any topic that he obsesses over, he is very analytical, he is very intelligent, he is very, um, you know, he's able to learn quickly, retain information, apply information, and those are all very good traits in a pilot. You're also, <laughs> you can also be... Emotional at times, you can you can you can want to push limits. You can want to do things that are maybe not the smartest thing to do in that scenario because it's fun, which is great in certain scenarios. But as yeah, a pilot, not, not great. Here's the thing: <clears throat> that part of Alex exists when I'm above like three thousand feet because, like, you have time with altitude. Right. Okay. Now I'm never flying with you. That was it. Yeah. That's all I needed to hear. <laughs> <No>. I'm good. <laughs> you you can you can fix stuff if it goes wrong with altitude. Now let's do a little bit of research as to how many plane crashes started above three thousand feet, shall we? <laughs> uh, way less than started at fifteen hundred. Yeah, maybe. So, that's so probably the biggest true, the biggest mistake and the biggest cause of general aviation crashes are actually on final approach when people. You know, you're you're kind of on your downwind leg. You make your turn to base. You put your second, you know, stage of flaps down. And at this point, like you're you're kind of at like a pretty close to stall speed. Not you're not there yet, but like you're decelerating, right? Because you need to slow down to get on yeah. the ground, right? And so what happens is, you know, you're at you're at anywhere from 900 to 1300 feet above ground when this is when this is happening. And you've got to make your final turn to kind of line up with the runway. Well, if people kind of A, get behind, or B, aren't proactive, well, that's the same. If they, if they get behind and aren't proactive enough with their downwind and their base legs, meaning that if you look at, you know, lining up with an airport as a U, the first and second parts of that, if you're not proactive with your kind of descent and also your angle of approach, what they'll do is they'll actually try and turn too much to line up with the runway at a slow speed. And so at ah, that point, stall and- all, right. So the, the plane at let's say 70 miles an hour, 95% of the wings capability is going to just vertical lift, just keeping you in the air. Well, it can turn, but it can only turn a little bit right before you got to either add throttle or go nose down to keep the airspeed up. So people like get panicked and they're like, oh, I'm going to miss the runway. Oh, I don't have time to go around. And they just add degrees to their bank. And at one point the plane's like, nah. And it just, I'm good. It just noses straight into the ground. Right. Right. So that's like, honestly, the number one cause and of that, crashes. And that noses straight into the ground. That would be uh, bad. That, right? that, I mean, that's, that's <laughs> suboptimal. That's dead. Yeah. No, you, you die. So, I mean. It's it's crazy to think about, right? Because like it's a it's not a huge mistake, but the penalty mm. is is pretty big. Whereas, mm. you know, if yeah, you're I'm gonna at, stick to guitar. If you're at eight or nine thousand feet, <laughs> right, and you make a mistake, you've got probably ninety to one hundred twenty seconds to like resolve what you've done wrong and apply the necessary countermeasures to fix it, and you're flying again. Because the airplane ultimately wants to fly, like it. When when you're doing something wrong, it's pissed off at you, kind of like a car. So, Tim, what song are you going to learn about uh, airplane crashes? Airplane crashes. 
the biggest thing that that makes me nervous about people getting their pilot's license is my mom and aunt both had their pilot's license when they were younger, and they definitely really? should not have been allowed to. Like they didn't know. <laughs> yeah, it but my mom was like, I don't know. I just kind of opened the engine, but I didn't know what I was supposed to be looking for, so I would just kind of look at it and be like, Yeah, that's good. We can go. But I mean, to be fair, there's a lot of people with their road licenses that shouldn't have them either. Yeah, that's so, true. But but again, it's it's the degree of of punishment for a mistake, right? No, but but that's where there's there's a big misconception because ultimately there's really one mistake you can't make. The rest of it is you can have some crazy bad luck, right? You can have an engine go out in the dark, right, and nothing but mountains around you. Okay, that's that's a lot of things to go bad all at once, right? If you have an engine go out on a clear day in Indiana, you're fine. You can find a field yeah. to put it down in, right? Dude, I, I, there was a guy, you know, that. do you remember this, Alex? I don't know if you remember this. There was a guy that had to emergency land his plane in the Trader's yeah, Point right. parking lot. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I do remember that. <laughs> in the northwest corner of Indianapolis. I remember driving by it on the highway and seeing the tail of a small plane hanging over. I'm like, wait. What? Right. <laughs> 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 had to like check the news. Oh, so my mom was telling a story about when when she and my aunt Chris would uh, fly up to Chicago to go shopping. They wouldn't file a flight plan. They would just go and they just follow sixty five up and then turn. Like they didn't they didn't use any of the navigation. And then they'd just land at the airport without permission. And this was the seventies. So I'm thinking like, imagine if you tried to do that now. Oh. So, <laughs> so that's, that's part of this whole thing is like, you know, once I do my solo hours and before I get my private pilot's license, I have to do a cross country flight and by cross country, they mean like state to state. Right. And so one of the big things with that is like big, like international airports, like legit airports. And he said, you know, if you go to, if you fly to Terre Haute or you fly to any of the smaller municipal airports, like, and you make a small mistake, they're usually pretty good. They're pretty forgiving. Like, they understand that you're new and you're uh, just j- a student pilot or you just got your pilot's license or whatever. And they're like, okay, you know, this is what you did wrong. Don't do it again, blah, blah, blah. And these are the reasons why. He was like, you do that at an international airport, literally the feds are on you and you are probably going to go to jail until you can explain why you made that mistake. Like what kind of mistakes would be jail worthy? Like you enter a, a, a traffic pattern incorrectly. Right. You, you fly over an airport without announcing yeah. your intentions or why you're there and you don't yep. fly at the right elevation and heading, right? Like it's, it's it's stuff that you wouldn't do, but it's also like that's how extreme it is once you get, you know, the FAA involved. Well, so it makes are sense. You gonna, it does make sense. Yeah. Are you going to like start flying to races now? So that's that's to be determined. So like <laughs> I I I wanted to do this just like I said for something to do, but also, you know, I've talked to Scott who, you know, in his younger years would fly himself to races and I talked to his engineer um who's Andretti now and he was like, yeah, it, it was cool, but also like one of the big things that he didn't like was after the race, you're pretty beat, right? You're pretty, yeah. you're pretty exhausted. You're tired. Yeah, it's great you want to get home, but like flying an airplane takes a lot of mental capacity. For so sure. like he stopped doing it because he felt like it wasn't worth the risk to get home an hour and a half, two hours earlier from mid-Ohio 
when he didn't feel like he was completely there, right? So, like, I don't know. I don't think that I would use it to fly to races. I might, you know, if I was for sure going home the next day or something like that. It's more for, you know, my, my dad lives in Nashville. Um, it's more for, you know, once I get my... Um, <clears throat> My instrument rating and my twin engine rating, James and I are going to take a float plane to Muskoka with our dogs oh, and girlfriends. Yeah. So we're going to do it in non-pressure environments where it's going to be super convenient for us. Yeah, no time strain there. It's, exactly. Either way, it's going to be faster it's than driving. going to be It's fun. funny. So it's I can't wait. My, uh, my brother, actually, on top of his you know, PhD and many other accolades, uh, also took his... Well, here, so here, here's the thing. He did... So just kind of talking about you know, the, the rules of flying interstate and above airports and stuff. He did this and he actually, he actually never completed it because there were so many rules and intricacies to like the, the navigation side and the communication side when you're traveling the hardest part. Right. And so he was just like, man, I, I wanted to learn how to fly to fly. Like what, like the dream of, of flight is like freedom. Right. It's, it's, it's supposed to be this liberating freeing experience, but like understandably and correctly, it's a super regulated, super restrictive thing. And it's, you know, it's, and so, yeah, he was just like, it's not what I, it's not why I signed up. So he, right. he stopped doing it. Flying the airplane is the easiest part. It, in a lot of ways, if you can drive a car or pilot a boat, captain a boat, you can fly an airplane like it's, it's not right. it's not rocket science by any stretch of the imagination but right the communications and the navigation of that and how on top of it you have to be to not get in trouble or piss someone off is is crazy and like that's what yeah. the bulk of the of the like ground school material is it's not about flying. the theory yeah 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 so, yeah the plane's it's, physics it's, that's i mean it, it it goes up down left right like it's not yeah. cool Whatever. Right. Um, but anyways, so, so that's, that's my new thing. It's fun. I'm glad I'm doing it. Um, and yeah. So we'd be remiss to not bring up, I mean, we, we kind of burned through time here, which is neat, but we'd be remiss with not bringing up the fact that I was wrong last week, which we noted. And it's in fact, this week you were headed to Sebring for the 12 hours. So how how are we feeling heading into the weekend now that it's uh, it's a, it's among us upon us it's here. Um, I'm excited. I I love I love the twelve hours of Sebring. It's it's probably in my top four favorite events. Like okay, in so hold on, Indy five in no particular order. Indy five hundred, Baja. Sebring, okay, so what's the fourth? Um, Long Beach? No. So in, in order, it's the 500. Mm-hmm. It's, it's racing at Monaco. The okay, yeah, Monaco all right. GP, right. It's the 24 hours of Le Mans and 12 hours of Sebring. Oh, sorry. I thought it was ones you'd done. I have done all of those. When did you do Le Mans? 2013. Oh, were you in the the Delta Wing? No, I was in the Gibson Orica with Caterham. Oh, oh, sorry. I forgot about that. Okay, sorry, sorry. Drove for Greaves Motorsports with... There you go. um, Eric Lux and Tom Kimber Smith. How'd you do? Terrible. Not good. 
Yeah, that's why. Okay. that's why you don't know. Right. So back to Sebring. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so Sebring is one of my favorite events, um, just because like I, I've always really liked the track, but also like the the fan experience there is out of control. Um, I don't know how it'll be this year, but whatever, that doesn't matter. 2020 is what it is. Um, but no, looking forward to it. The seven car now is leading the championship, um, after their fourth win in five races, which is in motorsports, unfathomable, unfathomable, un, unfathomable. Don't help them. Don't help them. To think about. <laughs> and quite honestly, like in a lot of ways, very easily could have been five for five had the incident at, at road Atlanta not happened. Right. Um, so, I mean, it's guys, it's a lot of pressure to like go into this well, one yeah, now. It's your last chance for a win this year, right? Yes, Tim. Thank you. Yep. But it's also, it's also like super challenging. Cause it's funny you say that, right? So how many races are on the IMSA schedule this year? I, I don't know. Like 10, 11, 10, 10 to 12, 10 somewhere to 12, in there. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so 10 to 12, and they've won four of the last five. And finished second in the other one, yeah. So of the last five races, they've got four wins in a second, and they only just took over the lead after this last win, and it's a very small lead, and it's it's because the class size is so small that even a bad day is still a fifth, right? right? And so you, you can't, like gain a, and they had a couple bad races to start the year so they were clawing back but it took so many wins because if the other guy finishes second or third it's the the point spreads almost so it's it's just crazy to think it's, in it's five o- races it's only three points that you get for right that you get more for first over second so i guess what i'm getting at is when you have a class like if you have a series like that and you have a class with fewer cars you should restructure the points. That wins mean more. Wins mean more, and it's like every and every eighth, position down should be like matter. three positions right. of a normal right. schedule or right. or um, you know you're, points. You're hundred percent right. Yes, but it's by that same logic that the seven car is actually in this championship because the first Their three first races few were so think, bad. They were like seventh and eighth. Right out of eight, but. But four wins, no matter how, no matter how you finish the rest of the season, should put you at least in the conversation for the, the title in a ten or eleven race championship. You've won almost half true. the races. That is true. right. Yes. So it's uh, it's interesting, but yeah. So you go in championship leaders. Uh, you've done Sebring for them once before, just, or twice before, just once. Uh, yeah, just one time. Just one time. Yep. Right. And how did it go last time? Uh, I mean. Not not well because that was the infamous. We started both uh, Acura Team Penske started uh, on the front row. It was wet, and then so, yeah. we got passed by GTD cars. Yes. So, like the pace was there, um, but there was no end result. And I got I got to be honest with you guys. Like the Cadillacs, Sebring is their bread and butter. Like this is not a, a pre-event excuse or foreshadowing. Like they're just legitimately with that big V8 that they have all the slow speed corners that exist at Sebring. Like they just are quicker there. And to IMSA's credit, like they haven't changed the BOP because I think the BOP has been, has been good. Like 
yes, there's there's the fact that the Acura has won four of the last five, but ultimately it hasn't necessarily been the fastest car. And right. there's been tracks that have suited the Acura better. Like, for example, Road Atlanta definitely suited the Acuras better than, than the Cadillacs. Um, and they haven't changed the BOP. So we're going into this knowing that we're going to be at a small deficit. Um, and we're competing against two Cadillacs for the championship. So it's it's going to be – it's we're going to need to be perfect for 12 hours, which is no easy task. But um, we got to do it. We got we to win but the that's that's the cool thing about a race like that though, you know, is you can go in with like a slight disadvantage ahead of time, but over 12 hours and especially a track that that's brutal. That's that brutal. Sorry. The traffic, the weather, all the different factors. Like you look back to Petit Le Mans. I mean, the 10 car was not in the conversation for the win until two laps from the end right. when there was a problem with first and second. You know, the fact they were even running third at the end was a miracle after everything they had gone through. And it just shows that, you know, we say in an IndyCar all the time, like anything can happen. You can win from anywhere, et cetera, et cetera. When that's in a two-hour race, you know, you think about a 12-hour race and all the things that can happen. Uh, it's exciting. I'm excited to watch. I'm excited to cheer you on. Are you going to watch um, for 12 hours? Oh, God, no. Not the whole right. time. Right, right. I'll watch the start, a bit in the middle, and then I'll watch the end. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, good for you. Yeah. yeah. I mean, um, honestly, same. <laughs> yeah, you'll sleep and you know eat and do some other stuff in between your stints. Yeah, how much how much driving will you legitimately do? No, do I think? mean we're spreading it pretty much down in third. So I mean, it's, I think it's like three. I mean, it's very close to four hours each. I think I'm doing three fifty two, um, and then yeah, you can do the math from there. So. Uh, I like that they have you down already at three hours and 52 minutes. That's like <coughs> insanely precise considering I mean, you don't know pace. You don't know yellows you? from team Penske. No, not at all. I mean, I will tell you, I will tell you exactly. So right now it is scheduled that I will run. And I'm assuming they make these based on like an all green scenario because that's, you can't predict anything. else. Right. I will run three fifty two. <laughs> Elio will run 3.52, and Ricky will run 4.16. That is very precise. <laughs> now, does that mean that's going to happen? Potentially not. But like more, uh, that is, that that more likely than not, it's not going to happen. Just know. because you don't know how yellows fall. Right, and right, right. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But anyways, uh, I, I'm very much looking forward to it. I love... I love these endurance races and it's very, very cool that we're going into it. Like, like I kind of explained on the last podcast, all the other endurance races I've, I've done have been at the beginning of the year. And there's been an issue that's kind of taken us out except for petite. Um, and petite went, went pretty well for us. So I'm, I'm looking forward to this one to actually be able to go into it knowing you have something to, to play for. And, uh, Last race for Team Penske and IMSA for the moment. Last race with the Acura program. So that's kind of cool. You want to go out on a high for those guys. For sure. For sure you do. And, um, you know, the, it's been a, it's been an incredible partnership. And I think that, you know, both sides benefited from it in, in quite a big way. Um, but what's weird is, so obviously uh, HBD and Acura have announced that they're going a different way um, with team selection. Uh, for the DPI program next year with, with MSR and, and uh, Wayne Taylor Racing. Um, so 
how it's, I guess, going to work is, you know, we finish the race at 10 p.m. on Saturday, and then kind of Penske is going to take all their stuff off the car and just kind of leave everything. <laughs> and then it's Roll up, it on over to the Shanks trailer. It's up to the other two WCH. teams to just, like, pack it all up and take it home. So it's it's very, I mean, it, it, it's very rare in motorsports you kind of see a, a transaction like that. But, um, yeah, it just goes to show you know, how much uh, Acura and HPD is, is vested in, in into the program. Not only did they announce their their big commitment to IndyCar back in August at the, at the Harvest GP, but also, you know, they're very committed to the sports car side of things and looking forward to the hypercar regulations um, when they're going to come out. So uh, it's an exciting time for Honda and motorsports in general. And speaking of both Team Penske and Team Shank, uh, Meyer Shank Racing. Big news. Your big news. Your your sports car teammate in the number seven is going to be back part time. Elio Castroneves driving the second car at Meyer Shank Racing for six races next year. That is uh, that's pretty cool. Good you know, for Elio. It's gonna, you know, be, gonna be good to have him back. I got overlooked again. So we all we, we all know <laughs> that you know there is a partnership between Andretti Technologies and Meyer Shank Racing. Um. So I, I, I really just think it's down to Elio just was going to miss me that much. He just was desperate to, <laughs> to still stay yeah, in he's, touch. He's, he's paying his own money. He's out of pocket on this deal yeah. just to be a just, little bit closer to Alex. Just to be able to hang out for six races next year. So, you know. Which it's, is awesome. It's because of all the hair tips you give him, right? <laughs> Elio doesn't need hair tips. Elio, Elio has. <laughs> guys. He has a mold in his helmet. Well, <laughs> we know that if. James is going to be driving at Andretti Autosport next year. Elio's certainly not going to be able to receive any dancing tips from James. No. <laughs> no I hope he brings I his mirror not. ball. So do I. To every event. It just puts it on James's desk. All right. So, As a reminder look, of James's failure. he won, but not, I not, also not did technically. have... Not technically. He did. He, he, he did 100% win. 100% won. He did win. So fine. The Electoral College voted on it. He won. Yeah. Technically, I didn't win. He won the Electoral College and the popular vote. Win. Yeah. So here's the, di- here's the thing. I'm just going to say this. <laughs> I'm just going to leave it at this. Julianne Huff did say that at the time I was the best male dancer that had ever been on the show. Just saying, yeah, you know, he went way earlier in the show. The competition maybe wasn't as steep. I don't know. I didn't say it. No, he won. He won. He's got the trophy <laughs> on the shelf. I acknowledge that. I acknowledge that. He reminds me of that very regularly, and rightly so. All right, guys, I guess what we're getting out of this is Tim's telling us to shut up and go to bed. So on that note, uh, I, we're filming this one at night rather than in the afternoon, so I didn't get my sandwich, which I'm very upset about. Uh, but hopefully next week we will see you Panera in hand. And hopefully Thank you for listening. with a DPI championship. And discuss. very hopefully with a DPI championship or a really good story as to why you didn't and how you are the reason. Don't even, don't even I, put that out there. Why would I, you even put that out there? Either, either I mean, way. it's I'm obviously going to happen, Tim. Either I mean, way. It's obviously going to happen, but don't put it out there. Either way, the <laughs> listeners are going to win. That's true. That is true. <laughs> why? What are they going to listen to? Thanks so much for listening to Off Track with Hinch and Rossi. Keep in contact with us on Twitter and Instagram. Our handle is at AskOffTrack. Or you can follow us individually. We're at Hinchtown and at Alexander Rossi. If you want to follow Thim, though we have no idea why you would, 
He's at the Tim Durham. We really need to get that changed to at producer Tim. The music you heard today is by Ryan Dan of Holland Patton Public Library. Off Track with Hinch and Rossi is produced by Tim Durham. And by that I mean Finn. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.